When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, to the phone lines. Victor's up first. Good morning, Victor. Hi, Victor. Good morning, Bob. Morning, sir. Doing Doing well. How about you? Great. Thank you. Thank you. Got a question. Uh, I have a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, that uh, he had a company put uh, zoysia grass on his yard, and Mm -hmm. uh, they kind of talked him into it, uh, even though he had a big, he has a huge tree in the front yard. Mm-hmm. And I told him that Georgia likes the sun, and that's why, you know, it didn't do too good. And the company kept putting, you know, chemicals every three, four months and fertilizer. I don't know. But he's kind of upset about the situation. He wants to go ahead and change it to some uh, St. Augustine. And right now it's kind of dead, the whole yard. But uh, mm-hmm. I told him that, you know, that would be the best bet to put, you know, if you're 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 a good advisor victor if uh if he wants grass now of course there are always some ground covers that are less work and use less water but uh i wish you'd listen to you the first time around because always you simply will not do well in the shade as far as saint augustine goes there's one called delmar there's another one called palmetto those are two of the best saint augustines for shady areas and um uh, right now, while this yard's just kind of dead looking, this is a great time to put new new sod down. You don't have to till it up or do anything like that. Just kind of rake up any debris that's in there. Uh, put your sod down. It's very important that you get one of these heavy rollers and roll the top of it after you put it down so that it presses out any air pockets. But it's not only a good idea, it would be a good time to do it if he wants to, to get a grass that really will, really will grow in a more shaded area. Okay. I started talking about getting them from Delmar, and yeah. uh, I told them I would help them. But the thing <laughs> is, is that it could, uh, should we just put it on top of that, Zoysia, uh, or, or do we have to try to grow low or anything? Well, you, your new grass needs to make contact with the soil underneath. If this zoysia right. is thin and nasty as it probably is, if it's been in a while because it's just getting thinner and thinner, if it looks like more dirt than grass, yeah, just go right on top of it and just be sure to roll it. Um, if there's a lot of debris there from old grass, just get a hard rake, what we call a grass rake, and uh, rake that out as best you can and just put your sod right on top of it. Like I said, there's no reason to till or anything like that, but you just want to be sure your new sod makes good contact with the dirt underneath okay now should she, he put some uh some uh compost like a week or two afterwards it'd be a great idea if he wants to what i if it were me i would put down some uh, fertilizer first i would plant the grass i would roll it and then i put some compost on top oh okay fertilizer first yeah okay a good oh, organic great. fertilizer, you know, the chemical stuff, you got to give that stuff six weeks to get some roots on it or it'll burn it up. But using any of the good organic products, I I just put some of it down first, put the grass on top, and then whenever it's convenient, that little bit of uh, compost on top of it. He's he's lucky to have a friend that'll help him with a job like that. <laughs> okay, great. That's something we'll uh, put them, uh, take the ski first and, and then put the grass on top. And yeah. Okay, that sounds pretty good then. 
All right, Bob. Thank you very much. Well, you're welcome. I appreciate the call this morning. I had one other line drop out, so I've got two open lines. Grab one of them if you like, 210-599-5555. Talk to Liz next and then to Sue. Good morning, Liz. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you this morning? Good, good, good. Um, I bought a plant from you, I guess, about maybe two years ago. It's it's leaf. It almost, it's about, the leaf size of it is about two feet. It looks like an iris or uh, between an iris and an orchid. It has a yellow little flower at the tip of it when it blooms. Okay. And I don't, I forgot the name of it. And, uh. But my question is, is uh, could I make more of it, like right now? Because, and, I mean, it turned into a big old bush, okay. which is very pretty. When it blooms, it has a yellow flower. Does it have some kind of brown spots in with the flower? And it's a long, slender blade? It's a long, slender blade, exactly. And it has a little tiny flower on it that's maybe about two and a half inches wide. Okay, that and is... Like, that is probably something that is called a bicolor, B-I-C-O-L-O-R, bicolor iris. And once it makes a thick clump, yes, it can be divided. Now, be sure you've got a kind of a, it's not really bulb-like, it's more like a rhizome structure down at the bottom. And, um, yes, you can divide that up as long as you have some roots on each piece. If you're going to do that, it would be good to do it right at this time of year. And, uh, yeah, it can certainly be divided. And, uh, you know, uh, today would be a great day for it. Water it in with, uh, you know, some good has to grow or a little bit of Super Thrive or Garrett juice. All those things would be great uh, getting okay. some roots going on it. All right. The other one I have is almost like an Easter lily type. Uh, and I don't see it forming its little flower or bulb, whatever you want to call it. Could anything with a bulb, could I transplant or make more of right now? Well, um, it, it, there's so many different bulbs, that's hard to give you a, a you know a one-size-fits-all answer. We typically try to uh, transplant things in the opposite season from their bloom. doesn't mean you can't do it now with everything, but uh, if you want the very best results... If you have something that is spring blooming, such as your German iris uh, and, you know, a number of those things, you're probably best to divide and transplant in the fall. Uh, Daylilies would be the same. If you have something that's fall blooming, um, then it's probably best to divide and transplant it in the spring. And that's that's the best general guideline I can tell you. Now, Things like your crinum lilies and things like that that bloom later in the summer. Yeah, it's fine to transplant them now. But anything that blooms in early spring, put that off until a little bit later in the year. All righty. The other question, I'm loaded down with clover leaf, and I'm wanting to next year, hopefully, uh, the wildflower seeds. But I'm loaded down with clover leaf like unbelievable. Uh Uh, And I'm afraid that that clover leaf might drown out the the flowers that are trying to grow, what do you think about uh, that? I Maybe think... Next year. Just go ahead, sir. Yeah, it all. there's so many different kinds of wildflowers. Anything that is really low, um, it could be a problem. Blackfoot daisy or something like that. Your different oxalis and clovers 
could be an issue. But if you're planting anything taller, like the Gallardia, the so-called Indian blanket, or even Indian paintbrush, blue bonnets, things like that, it's not really an issue because clovers are actually building the soil, just as blue bonnets do. Blue bonnets are legume as well. And so I'm not as concerned. I'm more concerned about winter grasses. Now, those can be a real issue. I'd be working real hard this year to try to keep them from going to seed. Uh, your, you know, Some people call them crabgrass, Texas winter grass. There are lots of different uh, rescue grass, a lot of these different grasses. If they're making a lot of seed right now, that's going to be an issue for you next year. But if your main yeah. issue is with the oxalis and things like that, I'm not going to be too concerned. I think you'll do still do very well with your wildflowers. If I were to cut that clover leaf down like right now, uh, I might have a possibility of some of those flowers still coming up. Um, Wildflower. It depends on, you know, the flower. Blue bonnets, they started growing in the fall. If they don't have their little rosette of leaves, they're not going to bloom this year. Uh, delphinium, uh, larkspur, those things all should be up and growing. So you're at a right. point where you really need to be pretty careful if you're going to do any mowing. I'd I'd keep it to the bare minimum. Uh, if the areas that you have really big clumps and all of it, uh, try hand pulling it. I don't think I'm going to be doing much mowing or spraying at this point. Now, remember okay. one one reason that you notice. Um, the clovers and dandelions and things so much is that they are growing now and most of our other grasses most of our other ground covers and things really haven't started growing and that's why these things are so prominent when you have your wildflower started i mean that like blue bonnets and some of the others they actually start growing in the fall and it kind of right. works the other way around they can suppress a lot of these things that you're seeing as weeds now and you go out oh, and look okay. at a big field of blue bonnet and things like that. They came up back in the fall, and they choked out the other stuff before it had a chance to get started. So I'm not going to take any real, what we might say, hostile action against those things. If anything, I'm going to mow them in the uh, late summer, early fall before the wildflowers start growing. Because your blue bonnets will typically, and that's what, you know, everybody have at least some blue bonnets out there. But they're going to start growing probably in October or November, depending on our fall rain. So uh, um, don't worry too much about your oxalis. It's not nearly the problem that your weedy grasses are. Okay, last question. Crepe myrtle. I have a nice crepe myrtle that I would like to make more of. Uh, could I dig that out and just kind of do my best to make more of no, if you want to start more crepe myrtles, you need to take uh, cuttings. Uh, you're a little late doing it. We typically take our crepe myrtle cuttings in October, November. Right now, okay. when they're starting to leaf out, is not you're not going to be nearly as successful with rooting them. But uh, crepe myrtles grow very easily from cuttings if you take them at the right time of year. So for next October, next November, call me. I'll tell you what the whole process is. But right now, I'm afraid you're going to have to pretty much be satisfied with what you have for this year, unless you want to go buy more. You can't really divide a crepe myrtle the way you can a crinum or something like that. Okay, last question. Uh, the uh, granule, as far as molasses, uh, were, because I have so much uh, clover, is it okay if I spread that molasses out there? Uh, well, sure. In the future, I plan to make a nice garden or do something. Would that be okay? Oh, yeah. Uh, no problem at all there. All righty. Very good. Thank you, sir, for your time. Always a pleasure, Liz. Thank you for the call this morning. We'll talk again. Right now, let's get back to the phone lines. It's going to be Sue and Eva and Kathleen, and Sue is first. Good morning, Sue. 
Good morning, Bob. Good morning. Say, I, good morning. I have a plant chicken question for you. <laughs> I've, constructed, okay. I know, um, I've constructed a wire cage. It's about one and a half by four feet long, and it's about a foot tall, with the intention of putting various seeds in there to grow and then letting the chickens kind of peck at it. Okay. I had half a pound of alfalfa seeds that I was going to use for sprouting and putting in salads never used. So I thought, hey, I'll just throw those out there. And they're coming up great. But then on one of the Austin radio shows, I heard that alfalfa grown in Texas attracts blister beetles, which is really toxic to horses. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, am I creating a nightmare here and don't do this? Well, the blister beetle issue is very serious. It is more a hot weather issue, and that's why it's more of an issue for us in Texas than it is in Colorado or Wyoming. Um, I've never known it to be, um, I've, well, I've never known that many people who grow alfalfa because it's so water demanding. It's not really practical oh. to grow it as a field crop. What you're doing with your chickens, I don't think there's any problem with it at all. I think your chickens would be happier with a grain-producing green, such as oats or rye or, uh, you know, even barley or wheat or some of those, you know, other things that chickens love to scratch at and eat. Um, mm-hmm. Alfalfa is, again, it's great grazing for cattle goats horses just about anything else and the and the blister beetle problem is like say it's much more of a hot summertime issue than it is a wintertime problem but i just i I think as far as making your chickens happy and i'll have to ask dr kirby about this tomorrow but i think uh i think they're better things than alfalfa okay and those one the grains that you mentioned are those going to grow in the summertime Nothing's going to grow real well in the summertime, but uh, mm-hmm. you, yes, there are some uh, things. And, of course, uh, you can plant some of your legumes. I mean, bush beans are highly nutritious, and, um, uh, you know, chickens will, <laughs> I can tell you from experience, chickens will love to eat your bush beans. But uh, yeah, I, they're, they're, yeah, they're bush beans, black-eyed peas, there are, Uh, a number of good things like that that you could certainly grow in the summer months as well. And, you know, where you're not really trying to get a full season's growth. I know I've planted the, you know, the oak grass and things like that for my kitty cats. They love grazing on things like that. And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't last as long as it would in the cooler season. But a lot of those things where you're growing it, you know, principally for short-term forage, yeah, it'll do just fine. But, you know, you're not going to be, you're not going to be harvesting from it. You're not going to be grazing it, uh, so to speak. But on a short-term basis, I mean, look at look at what we grow as, you know, sprouts for juicing or for just general consumption. I mean, we do that year-round. Right. And, yeah, maybe I even ditched this idea. I have smaller ones. My concern with doing some of the grains is, you know, a chicken, they will eat a really long strand of something, and then you kind of have to worry about impacted crops and stuff like that. So I'd be real interested to see what Dr. Kirby said about that as well. Well, we had a discussion. uh, He was out of town last week, but week before, we we were discussing the crop. Call, if you can, right at the end of my show tomorrow. In fact, I usually uh, try to open the phone lines, you know, a few minutes for his show a few minutes before, I, I like two or three minutes before I actually end mine. So uh, call 
call and we'll just have a nice discussion on uh, on what's good and what's not good for chickens. Because I'm I'm not okay. a chicken expert. He is. He, he he's an Alamo Heights farmer. <laughs> he's not really in Alamo Heights, but just north of Alamo Heights where he lives. And he he loves his chickens, and they do very well, as you would probably imagine. I would imagine. Yeah, and I know the chickens don't need this, but it is fun for me as well. So yeah. I will give that a try. We'll look forward to hearing from you soon. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, it's Eva's turn. Good morning, Eva. Good morning. Good morning. What a great morning. Anyway, I have a problem I don't understand. You know, I planted the comfort, uh, comfrey plant. Right. And I've got, I don't know how many pieces coming up, but they're all individual. They're not making any uh, bush to them at all. Give them and a little time. Them looks, like a, looks like a cobra. Yeah, give them a little time. Um, they are a warm weather plant. Mine, you know, mine got trampled by dogs and it went through kind of a hard winter. It's just starting to come back out now. You're just uh, you're just in a little bit too much of a hurry. Your comfrey is really just it's about to kick into uh, high gear, so to speak, as far as filling out. I suspect that by Mother's Day, you're going to have the bushiest, nicest plant. It's just it's just early, uh, and I don't think that's at all abnormal, really. It's the, They'll always do that for a while in the spring. As we warm up, uh, probably that period from about April till June, uh, they're probably going to quadruple in size and thicken up immensely. So I don't think it's really a problem. I think uh, it's just still wintertime as far as the comfrey sees it, and they don't make a real thick plant in the winter months. Okay. Well, I had them in the house, and I just pushed them outside. They're in pots. Oh, yeah. And I didn't know when to put them in the ground. I'll put them in the ground at any point. Um, okay. So you know, they're wait till the ground warmed up, so I didn't know. They won't. They're not going to grow until the ground warms up, but I don't think we're going to have uh, any issues that would bother them. I mean, we've got a plant growing in one of our beds over at Shades of Green, and I was showing it to a customer yesterday, as a matter of fact, and it's just full and green and beautiful. It suffered no damage whatsoever in the 28-degree day we had last week. So uh, okay. I think you're perfect. Well, these are brand-new plants. I mean, oh. I just planted them from the from cuttings. Yeah. And, uh, not cuttings, root cuttings, yeah. yeah. Well, and if they are sprouted and growing, they're ready to be planted wherever you want to put them. There's nothing wrong with holding them in pots for a little while, but if you'd rather get them in the ground, go right ahead. Well, I, I have a concentrator cord that I drag over the top of them all the time, and I'm knocking the top top of them. <laughs> and they're very fragile when it comes to touching them. They're oh, they're with this, right yeah, at this early stage, you, you uh, might put up some little hose guides or something like that to keep <laughs> from dragging that cord over the top of the. Uh, well, I've been just disconnected when I go around because I broke too many tops off of them. But I just wanted to get them in the ground if it was time. But I've got, I've got three pots of, of lots and lots of plants sure. coming up. Well, so if, I didn't know where to share and how to share and all that. Well, just uh, they need to be planted in a sunny spot. If you um, want to wait a little while for them to get a little bit bigger, if you want to divide them further, you can. But uh, I'd put at least one of those in the ground for you. And um, um, like I say, it's they're, they're just ready to go out any time now. It's, it, there's no rush. We've got you know what, several weeks of just perfect weather for planting. But if they're, they're going to be easier to maintain in the ground. So if you want to plant them today, plant them. Okay, and plant them in full sun or 
I think half day sun. Full half sun is sun. fine, but well drained. Uh, yeah. Well drained soil. Yeah, well drained soil and mine are in full sun and they do really well. But I think half day sun they'll also do just fine for you. Okay, good. Uh, one more question. I still have not found a pot or the product to put my uh, well, what is it the the flower the, that grows from the roots. Oh. We was just talking about it a while ago, the lady was. Uh, uh, ginger or iris or? No, it's an indoor plant or a succulent, not succulent, but like a, a well, prickly. <laughs> I'm afraid my mind, uh, I'm always looking forward what to What do you grew so many of? Um, oh, Since God. she was a kid. Oh, the orchids? Orchid. Why okay. couldn't I think of that word? <laughs> <laughs> okay, what what can I tell you about orchids? Well, it's time for me to replant this one, and I don't have a pot to put it in, and I don't have the product, the, the stuff I should plant it in or uh, expose it to. Well, the pots aren't critical. They make some pots with extra slats in the side, holes in the side. They call orchid pots, but the orchids aren't Picky. I mean, if you want those, I imagine most nurseries have them. We've got, oh gosh, we've got an array of orchid pots in lots of different sizes. And uh, there are some prepackaged orchid potting mixes. Again, we make our own. But basically, a fur, bur- fur-, fur bark-based mix is what fur you want to use. That's what I couldn't remember what yeah. you said. And I didn't know where to find it, you know, because I don't, I'm not very mobile, so I'm trying to... Well, to the closest we always have it at Shades of Green, but I imagine places like Phoenix and Rainbow Gardens have it as well. I use a mixture, and I've been repotting a bunch of orchids in my new greenhouse the past couple of weeks, and I use basically a mixture of fur bark and charcoal is what I charcoal, use. Just and, like what you use in the aquarium? Exactly. But we have we have a mix made up in little bags. Uh, if you make it over our way, we'll be happy to help you. And like I said, no other nurseries. get out that way, we'll, we'll sure stop by that. I don't get out very long, any long time. (laughs) Well, when it's a nice day and you need to lift your spirits, come over and see us because it is a beautiful (laughs) place. I need it. We find it before I kill it. (laughs) We we have, uh, yeah, that's a good idea. We have a lot of people that come over and say, I don't need anything. I just need to feel good. So that's when I come over. I love to come feel good, but I haven't been able to do that in a long time because I can't walk around very long. Well, I hope you'll come see us when you can. We'll look forward to helping you with your orchid, Evan. Uh, right now, let's get back to the phone lines. It's going to be Kathleen. Let me get these in order. Kathleen and Bernie and then Kitty and then David. So uh, we start with Kathleen. Good morning. Good morning. Bob, I know I'm repeating myself, but I need some more information on tomatoes. What sort of information can I give you? Well, <clears throat> I know you have two or three of your favorites from my <laughs> patio <laughs> For my patio pots, uh, can you help me with that and then the the way to plant them? Well, let me talk about the way to plant first, and that is that whether you're growing in a pot or in the ground, uh, we find that you pretty much double your production by putting a handful of rock phosphate in the bottom of the hole. Um, You don't blend it in with the soil because when it gets blended with soil, it becomes chemically tied up to where the plants really can't get to it. So we'll just put a handful of rock phosphate plant directly on top of that. And then 
after it's planted, I add a little bit of Epsom salts, just a handful of Epsom salts to the surface of the soil. Now, this is in addition to your regular basic fertilizer. I'd be, you know, mixing in some, oh, any organic fertilizer, Medina or any of the other good ones planted before I plant. But the actual planting, rock phosphate in the bottom, plant the plant, then sprinkle some Epsom salts around. As far as varieties, how big are your pots, Kathleen? Small pots, big pots, what size pots oh, do you grow in? I would say, I would say uh, 24 inches. Okay, you're in a big pot then. You could probably actually put a couple of plants uh, per pot. My favorite eating tomato of it all, and it grows like a weed, is probably sun gold, where you want a really good little cherry tomato that you can just sit there and pick and eat them. They are just so delicious. So sun gold is always toward the top of my list. If you want a slicing tomato, Celebrity is still one of my favorites. Uh, For a red tomato, uh, for a purple tomato, I like the Cherokee purple. For a yellow tomato, there are two of them that are very similar. One of them is called Lemon Boy. The other is called Carolina Gold. I have to say that Carolina Gold has probably been the best producer in my garden for a big yellow slicing tomato. But that just that's just a start. Man, I love porters. I love, uh, you know, the black cherry. I love Juliet. I love sweet 100s. <laughs> it's just real hard for me to narrow down, and that's why I always plant more tomato plants than I have time to take care of. But if I were going to go with the top of the list, my top slicers would probably be uh, the Celebrity, the Cherokee Purple, the Carolina Gold. For a medium golf ball size tomato, Porter would probably be the top of the list. And uh, as far as smaller ones, my favorite is Sun Gold, but there's also uh, Juliet is very, very productive. Sweet 100 is also very productive. Black Cherry is also a real good tomato. Okay. And how much sun do they require? Full sun. Every tomato out there wants as much sun as you can give it. Middle of the summer, maybe a little shade, little shade cloth over it. But starting out in the spring, you need to give them uh, full sun all day long. Okay. All right. What about my blue bonnets? I planted them yesterday in, in, in a large pot, and they'll get full sun. Shall I let them lose their uh, their seeds, you know, pop them out? How do you do that And when they quit blooming? When they quit blooming, they form a little a little bean-like seed pod. When it starts to turn brown, it's mature. At that point, you can uh, pull off the little seed pods, put them in a brown paper bag, and they will open and spill their seed on their own if you like. Now, you're planting okay. plants, not seed, right? Oh, yes. Nice plants. Huh? Okay, yeah, because it's way too late on the seed. But nice plants, Oh, it's uh, you need to get them out there because they're going to be in bloom in the very near future. But just, just keep an eye on them. They make their legume. They make what looks like a little uh, bean pod out there. When they start to turn yellow or brown, you can harvest them at that point and know the seed's ripe. Oh, good. Well, I'm going to come in to San Antonio next uh, month, and I'm going to come see Donna and have her help me plant some plants uh, in, in a pot. Donna is an amazing talent, and uh, uh, she's actually going to be giving a, a talk, a seminar on doing her uh, her just her beautiful pots and hanging baskets and things like that. That'll be the twenty third of this month. If that's a convenient time for you to call uh, to come, that's like two weeks from today is when uh-huh. Donna will be doing her uh, creating container seminar. I know. 
I've, I've seen her several times, and she's so so talented. <laughs> Absolutely disgusting to the rest of us that have no talent in that regard. I can tell you everything there is to know about growing most plants, but boy, Donna is uh, she's just in a whole different league when it comes to well, the talent you have a, designing. You have a good group down there, Bob, and thank you for your help. And I'll be calling you again. We'll look forward to it, Kathleen. Thank you for the call. Bye. <laughs> Goodbye. All right, it's Bernie's turn. Good morning, Bernie. Morning, Bob. Morning. Let me get you get your speaker. Uh, I need some Meyer Lemon One Hundred and One. Okay, uh, Meyer Lemon One Hundred and One. They want full sun. Um, they are probably the most productive lemon out there. You don't see a lot of them in the stores because they're thin skin and hard to ship. But they are uh, extremely juicy, extremely easy to grow. Uh, all you really need is full sun, reasonable soil. Um, use any good liquid fertilizer on them. Uh, the one thing you have to watch is virtually 100% of them are grafted plants. So watch the base of the plant. And if you see anything coming out right at the base, be sure and cut that off because that would be coming off the rootstock. But uh, Myers lemons, um, golly, they bloom in January, February. The lemons ripen anywhere from about September. This year, lots of them are still ripening, um, which is very unusual. But uh, there's there's not a whole lot to know about growing Myers lemons. They're cold-hardy down into the upper 20s at least. But uh, uh, other than giving them a little bit of winter protection, you, just as long as you water them and fertilize them, they're going to give you great lemons. What, what about the bloom? I, I have I have one that it has like hundreds of bloom on it. Yes, sir. Now, do they self-select or should I take some of those off? <laughs> you know, the plant will drop, you know, if it has just too many set, it will drop some of them. Um, it's up to you. Uh, the, the plant is capable of producing x number of pounds of lemons if you thin them out the ones you leave behind will be larger but uh that is totally up to you the plant will will not hold more lemons than it can can support but uh they definitely if you get a huge crop the individual lemons will be a little bit smaller but they won't be any lower quality so whether you thin out the crop or not that's totally up to you okay uh now I heard you mention, I think it was last week, you were talking about uh, trimming it so it will grow as a bush as opposed to a tree. Well, it's largely just letting it grow as a bush. That's its natural growth habit. It's more work to make a tree out of it. It'll make a bush on its own. And it's that's strictly up to you. You'll always get more pounds of fruit off of a bush. But some people would just rather look at a tree than a bush. And that's just like cutting your hair or not cutting your hair. You can spike it up and make it look... One way, or you can just kind of let it grow real wide, or you can, you can prune it back pretty short. It doesn't really make any difference to the tree. But the natural way for it to grow is a bush, and you really don't have to do much to encourage that. Just let the tree do its own thing, and it'll make a bushy plant for you. Okay. the I, I have uh, two of them, small ones. They were in, uh, I guess they were one-gallon pots yes, in sir. the ground. Uh-huh. But then I have a I have a bigger one. That's in a uh, 24-inch pot, mm-hmm. and and I'd like to put that in the ground. Well, remember, uh, 
It, it, you can put it in the ground any time, but as long as it's in a pot, you can move it if it gets, you know, super cold. 24-inch pot, that tree could go in there for five years before it's really going to get overgrown. Um, they're easier to maintain in the ground, but harder to protect in the winter. But um, if you want to put it in the ground, you can do it almost any time now. Be sure it's in a good sunny area. I would plant it where it gets a little protection from the winter wind, just so it won't be exposed to that kind of wind we had last week with that strong, cold north wind. But uh, nothing wrong with planting it any time you like now. It's, it's been moving in and out of my garage all winter. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a little bit of an issue. Most winters in San Antonio, we only have to move them in three or four times during the winter. But uh, the bigger it gets, the more of a challenge that becomes. So you grow it wherever it's most convenient for you, sir. Now, uh, another subject, tomatoes. I I have uh, all of my plantings are, are in pots. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I have added... Uh, some good compost, uh, about three inches or so, on top of each of the pots. Okay. I haven't planted anything yet. Um, now, when I plant, do I work that into the soil? Just yeah. leave it on top? No, just kind what of blend it in, blend it in a little bit as you plant. And uh, mm. once again, as I was telling the previous caller, just a little rock phosphate in the bottom, some overall general yes. fertilizer. And uh, as soon as you think we're past the danger of a freeze, get those tomatoes started. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, you're right. Uh, pick a date. <clears throat> yeah, pick a date. Like my old friend Alton used to say, people ask him when it's going to freeze, and it'd say when it gets to 32. Bernie, I appreciate right. the call. All right, back to the phone lines. We're going to talk to Kitty and then to David. And, David, if we run out of time, I'll talk to you off the air during the news break here. So Kitty's up first. Good morning, Kitty. Morning, Bob. Good morning. My uh Irises did beautifully up until three days ago. <laughs> Mine too. And I was wondering, I've never, um, do you deadhead irises after they bloom? It's up to you. They sometimes will make a seed pod. I don't know anybody that really grows them from seed. I deadhead them just because they're nicer looking. And anything where that stem is frozen and fallen over, like some of mine did, you might as well go ahead and cut them off. Because one thing I might try doing, and I just haven't done it yet or ran out of daylight yesterday, is uh, taking some of those stems and just slice them and put them in water. Sometimes the buds will open in water, but um, you might as well take them off the plant because they're they're not going to do anything uh, where they froze. Right. Now, what about, um, I've never ever in Texas cut back the green leaves like you did up in D.C. or in no. New Mexico. No you reason to. to do that, right? No, you'll have more flowers and prettier flowers. That leaf is not, I mean, they're totally unharmed by the cold, and the more leaf mm-hmm. you have, the more sugar it produces, the more and prettier flowers you have. Great. I also now have burn spots. I just refuse, having lived in New Mexico, to water mm-hmm. carpet grass. I want to cut. It, I want to um, weed whack it down. Put newspaper and or I'm thinking they have those large pieces of brown paper between the plots on the on the big box stores. Would that work just as well or thin, um, thin what? pieces? What are you of trying cardboard? to do? What do I you? Wanna, I want to kill the grass and plant xeriscaping in several spots in my yard. Okay, and this and you have St. Augustine grass. It's the one that has the runners. Is that St. Augustine? That's correct. 
Mm-hmm. You are much easier. It's a little bit of work, but you don't have to do it all at once. Uh, just get a grubbing hole because it, St. Augustine does not have underground runners, so you don't have to smother it the way you would Bermuda or Zoysia or some of those. Oh, okay. Just get out with your grubbing hole, which you know has that broad, flat blade, and just do whatever your energy level says, 10, 15, 20 square feet at a time, and uh, it will that will totally remove it. It'll be a whole lot easier, and it'll only cost you a little energy. Well, now, can I weed whack it? No, you would not get the runners uh, with the weed whacker. Because I've got shoulders problems, so that's why I was thinking I'd just kill it that way and, and then put compost, I mean, yeah, uh, smother it, smother it. it if you need to, but for me, that's an hour's work. It might be worth paying the neighborhood high school football player kid to come in and show them how to do it and get them to do it. It's well, uh, actually, If you want to so, smother it, you can, and several layers of cardboard or several layers of newspaper, either one would do the job. Okay, and um, on my Myers lemon bushes, I have they had a gazillion blooms last year. I got mm-hmm. one lemon off of it. This year, that one of them has a lot of blooms. The other one doesn't have a bloom well, on it. The ones, some of them probably fro- 